0: Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. We are continuing our coverage of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode three, Power Broker. Uh, We have a wonderful uh, guest, and also we have our, our regular crew with us. First, the super producer, Jake Christie is in the house. Jake, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Uh, you know, I'm in uh, Florida at my parents' house, so just been nothing, but I actually had a drink at an outdoor restaurant on uh, Saturday that was called Just Tiki Vibes, so I feel like I've been riding that wave since, Just Tiki Vibes.
0: (laughs) And also, of course, the Rome Dog is in the house, Jerome Cheng, Black Dragon Roll. How you doing, brother? I'm
2: good, man. I'm just waiting for when uh, Chief Canton and his uh, mustache is going to put us back on the damn case. (laughs)
0: Oh my God, I'm never gonna hear the end of that and that's okay, I don't mind. Um, also with us, uh, our pal is back for from uh, last week, uh, the writer extraordinaire, the artistic maven on Twitter, Stephanie Williams, what's up Steph?
3: Hey, I'm just over here, you know, trying to capture the african-american experience you know
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i hear that oh Oh. (laughs) we're gonna definitely get into that we do have a special guest with us uh today uh my teammate at uh murph's multiverse uh one dalbin or osorio dalbin what's up welcome to the program
4: first off thanks so much for having me on guys uh you know i can i can only aspire to be as dope as you all are as a quartet um i think that stephanie's writing puts most of us to shame i think jerome's swag and drip on a consistent basis gives Uh us something to look forward to Uh jake's jake's ability on 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 the soundboard is just immaculate. And Anthony, listen, man, you and I could really pull off a Dominican Jack Ryan. You very much mm. look like you could
1: be my handler
4: and oh. I could be Jack Ryan, brother. So I think he's about to lose his hosting now, ability. Now, I will just right say, here, I, mean, I,
1: like... I, I would say, I appreciate you throwing the comments all around, but my contribution on the production of this is I add intro music, exit music. If someone says something that's not public, I cut it out and then I drop the sound from Heaven Don't Have a Name whenever I reference it, like here. Heaven Don't Have a Name Heaven. Okay, there nice. we
2: go. And we're back. Well, you know what?
4: I think that that's incredibly important because honestly, like I'm a big wrestling fan, right? With no theme music, there is, no, there's no Undertaker. There's well, no Triple H. have the bad news <laughs> for you then. Yeah. The
1: theme music is music that my brother made in high school that I just stole. I love So it. I didn't do anything. I love it.
0: All <laughs> no, oh, that, that Very high praise. Thank you, sir. Um, I do want to start with you though, because this is your first time on here. So I want to get your general thoughts. Of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, what you've thought of it through three episodes. Uh, What's your general take on the series?
4: Yeah, so I mean, I I was a big uh, Captain America Winter Soldier fan, and so this feels like a direct sequel to Cap and you know Captain America and Winter Soldier. I think that. Anthony Mackie, I've been dragging him on Twitter ever since. Like Marvel didn't recast him, right? Because I, I have an issue with Clarence being the guy that's going to pick up the shield. Man, it bothers me, right? He comes from a real good, you know, two parent household, real good marriage. He has no struggle. But I think I I love it's a private Mar- school. That's a private school, exactly, went to Cranbrook. <laughs> but I love the fact that Marvel isn't pulling punches when it comes to the racism that mm-hmm. Sam is is facing, even in a post-blip world, right? Like, you have the mm-hmm. flag smashers who want this world without borders, which, you know, if you listen to them, it kind of sounds a little crazy, right? But it's not any different than what you're hearing from extremists here in the in the United States and all around the world. And I love you know following wandavision i think wandavision did something really really dope for marvel in that it allowed us to get in touch with these characters that you don't typically we didn't spend a lot of time with right we saw wanda wash Thanos, we saw vision be useless in wakanda right uh, but we yeah. didn't get a lot of time with them right and it's the same for, right. for, for for i think bucky and falcon and so this has allowed us to really dive deep into what makes these guys tick and i'm really excited to see how they stick the landing because i loved wandavision but the ending was a little it was a little rushed right and so i'm 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 curious to right. see how they land how they land the falcon and winter soldier ending yeah well uh
0: yeah 100 we definitely are going to get into the uh you know some of the aspects that you mentioned here because i i do have my own uh particular issues with uh some of the themes of the way that this series is going and episode three starts off with an ad for the global repatriation council and um they're just basically saying that the grc is there for people coming back from the blip And you know what this looked like to me, this reminded me, I don't know if you guys ever saw the show Devs, but it just like the video, it was that kind of same type of feel um, where they just want to it's almost like a propaganda trying to put you in a, in a mentally calm place considering the blip and everything like that. So, after that scene. Uh, We go to Captain America, the new Cap, hashtag not my Cap, and Battlestar as they arrive in Munich with a squad of uh, GRC police. They break into the office run by Rudy, who housed the Flag Smashers and demand to know where uh, Carly is. When uh, when the gentleman says that he doesn't know, obviously Cap doesn't believe him. And then Rudy spits in John Walker's face, which makes uh,
1: John Walker go, do you know who I am? Like, uh, you know. Well, yeah, like whole, uh, he went full celebrity getting a DUI on him, you know.
4: He uh, went okay. full Tom cruise on the set of Mission Impossible 7, right? Like, do you know what you're doing? Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting? Like, when when he spit on it, but I was like, man, how many people have wanted to do that for the first three episodes, just hop back and spit at US Agent, right? So it wasn't surprising when, when he got a little bit of that. But it also goes to show you the line between John Walker and Steve Rogers is so vast right like steve wasn't like that that wasn't what no. he did he, and and u.s agent is very much a douche he is very much a douche
0: mm-hmm. right and steve has that respect um from generally the and, public
1: and while i think that john walker is in some ways uniquely bad i think that more than anything it highlights how steve was uniquely built yeah. to be captain america because it's it's not that, like I said, I think people, John Walker is not like the median person, but I feel like a lot of people, if they were Captain America, would be like, don't you know who I am? Like, it's not like, you know, and I think that not that is just, just a cop. Yeah, exactly. And there are a lot of cops in America, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: He's a, yeah. basically John Walker is a glorified cop. So as they leave, uh, Battlestar tells Captain America that, that Carly giving displaced people shelter and medicine and that gets her loyalty. That loyalty is keeping them from finding Carly. And uh, John basically says that we need to get some some uh, help from someone with a better hand, leading to Sam and Bucky, who are in Berlin, uh, where Zemo is being held. And this is where the running theme that I talked about a minute ago uh, starts, where Bucky tells Sam that he's going in alone and he has a history with Zemo and Hydra. Now, Stephanie, you and I traded some messages regarding this last week, And there's this general feeling, and it came over me as this episode went on, that it feels like Sam is just along for the ride as opposed to really being, I I guess, uh, you know, his. this is not his show per se. So I want you to expound upon what we talked about a little bit.
3: It's just so weird because they only have three episodes left. So all the folks are just like, hey, give them time. I'm like, but they don't have much time. They're running out of runway, right? Um, <laughs> Vision had nine episodes. Um, and even they missed their mark in the finale. So just based off of that, I'm just kind of like, oof, being a little shaky. So um, Falcon, like everyone keeps telling him things. Like what, what does Sam know other than... <laughs> other than, um, you know, he didn't know that he couldn't get a a loan at the bank because he just knew everything. Um, He didn't know how badly things were for his family and his sister while he was away. Uh, He didn't know anything about Isaiah. I'm just like, wow, that's wild that you knew nothing about that. And sure, maybe you didn't, but like, damn, give him something to do. Give him something active to do. So far, he has just been a passenger. Um, Even Sharon Carter, got to do more in this episode actively than Sam. Hmm. And it's just really blowing my mind. Um, Sam is really just an afterthought in a show where his character's name comes first. Again, like I get it, like there's a trade-off, right? Because it's a shared show. So maybe one episode is more heavily focused on Bucky and another episode is heavily focused on him. But so far... It does not seem like we'll ever get that. And even if we do, I just don't believe that that Sam-focused episode will actually give him something active to do. So far, he's just been reacting to stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. What does now, Jerome, that teach me do you about him? do you have anything him? to add there?
2: Uh, no, I mean, like, everything uh kind of is covered there. I think the only thing that comes to mind is that they at least seem to want to put into his character arc in the season that he doesn't want to take up the mantle. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that is supposed to then play into that stuff. But then like, when you think about the specific scenes, like specific, like this one Bucky scene here where he is actually like asked to basically to take a seat and like wait on the bench until like, you know, the starters get their shit off. It's um
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> it. Like, yeah, like, reactive, I think the way, like, what Steph used there is, like, the best way to describe it. And and the thing is, like, he started the series, right? Like, he yeah. had the big action scene. But ever since that point, like, once e- a new character comes in, I, I mean, it was, I was thinking about it a lot as you were talking about it and going through it right now. I didn't, I didn't think about it so consciously this episode, because I'll be perfectly honest, all I thought about was Zemo. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I, yeah, anyway, we're getting to that soon, so we won't touch on it. Yeah, but, um, no, in how you're talking about it now, you it's just you came in pretty hot on Falcon and it's cooled off heavily. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're, and I even remember, um, it, it's I'm glad you kind of bring it up because I was talking with a friend about the show and they felt uneasy about the notion of Falcon and Winter Soldier because their thought was like, I don't know if this like Falcon or Anthony Mackie can really carry a show. Mm-hmm. And I threw out there just as a thing of like, is it him or is it what he's being given? And like, oh. when you think about how many uh characters like in the same way, like if very easily, if we just go as recently to WandaVision, like Monica Rambeau, like we could have come out of that saying that, she couldn't carry anything, but they gave her stuff. They yes. really fell flat at the end, but they gave her stuff that really gave us the confidence that this was going to be possible. So, you know, don't always put it into the hands of the actor or like to say like whether they have that quote unquote star power because I think we're starting to figure out more and more and becoming more aware immediately rather than in retrospect that what you are providing, what's given to you isn't necessary reflection of their quote-unquote star power.
1: And I think that you talk, and I think Steph is spot on with that he doesn't do anything. And I think the root of that always is like, actions are always, they come from wants. Like, what does a character want to see And uh, I wouldn't, I, I think it would be much more palatable for him to not quote-unquote do things if it was clear that he was being stifled, that he acted yes. those he wants. Like, it's not just that he's not doing anything. It's I actually just don't know what he wants to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there is, an interesting way like i think there's there would be an interesting way you could structure this series where the winter soldier like kind of goes off the deep end and like has zemo and all these plans and falcons along for the ride but he's clearly mad about it and he's trying to like you know change uh bucky's mind and then eventually like he takes a big action but they're not really like, setting that up because you really can't you know beyond the occasional man this plan's crazy i don't like well, this like they're
2: all on that's it falcon's mission right now like bucky yeah. came and joined along for falcon's mission. But like, not until you know all of you described it so well, did I think like, oh, he really lost control of his own mission.
0: Yeah. Now he's now everybody else is running the mission. Sharon, Zemo, and and Bucky, as we'll get to. Uh, but getting back to the plot, um, so as as uh, Bucky meets Zemo, Zemo tries to use the old Winter Soldier trick on him, uh, with the, with the with all of the sayings, and that doesn't work this time. And Zemo was just curious. He just said, wanted to see if uh, this was a new you or not. And then obviously, Bucky asks about the winter, the Super Soldier Serum, and uh, and obviously Zemo knows some people. And this seems like this is just going down a very action movie style. We got to go to some very very shady place, and speak to some very shady person, and and, and go through something. So they they're gonna be headed to. I think it was Magic. the Dave and Buster's
2: with all the lights. You're
1: uh, damn right, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meet me by the uh, the what's it called the Whack mole yeah it
2: was the glow-in-the-dark bowling uh, the well no it's actually it's
1: actually test the super soldier serum you know the thing like the carnival game where you have to hit the thing with the mallet and it goes all the way up you they know the super soldier serum works actually like the, it the it punching the
2: bag because there's an actual literal like point value that right you have as you go up right like yeah. you come in at like a 400 but mm-hmm. super soldier serum you, like you gotta at least hit eight or break the mm-hmm. machine oh, exactly exactly oh, good job by you
0: guys um so then so then as as once this is all explained, Bucky leaves and then he and Sam go to a garage and Bucky tells Sam that he wants to break Zebo out. And of course, Sam isn't isn't thrilled with the idea. And he had uh, plenty of good exposition here where Sam just explains basically everything that's happened prior in the MCU. And and then Bucky leads him down a path of a hypothetical. As to where maybe this is how Zemo breaks out of prison. And then we cut to Zemo breaking out of prison um, with a very, um, I guess, I don't even know if I would call it elaborate or scheme. It just it's like We're a lot of things slick. just tended to work. Yeah. A lot of things just tended to work out there it yeah. wasn't
4: it yeah. wasn't michael it wasn't a michael schofield prison break that's for sure
1: it was like the logan lucky prison break more than yeah. anything yeah that's um, a really good reference that's a, yeah. it's a really good reference um and the, I, but also like I, a lot of people were criticizing how easy it was to get out of prison it's like he's a baron we know how the world is if you're a like a rich dude you're not going to a prison that's hard to break out of like come on like he's he's did get it out of minimum security
0: Right. So once uh once Bucky explains to Sam this hypothetical, then of course Zemo walks in in a security guards' uh, uniform, and Sam is shocked. He's appalled, and and all these other things. And then um and then of course uh, Zemo tries to break into the conversation, and they both yell at him. No, which was funny. And um so so then basically Bucky's like, listen, you back Steve on the Sokovia Accords, back me here. Um if I'm Sam at this point, I am i trusting this this uh winter soldier dude that even though he's had his mind reprogrammed and all this other stuff he's way stronger than me and is see, he, and he's already no. gone behind my back in this instance i shouldn't trust him but then I, of it's course like, i wouldn't is,
1: even think that he'd betray me i just wouldn't trust his judgment you know like i think that he's yeah. loyal to sam but i think that he know thinks he knows better than sam and that's dangerous well, and that's I, that's that's a great point actually because I mean we got to remember right
4: that the the Bucky in the comics is part of the Thunderbolts right like he's not he's much closer to John Walker than he is to Sam and much and closer to U.S. Agent than he is to than he is to Cap. Bucky's a Bucky's a, he's a, he's an assassin, right? He's a master assassin. And when they got to magic and I'm sure you'll get to this. He seemed to enjoy being an assassin a little too much. He seemed to get too, he seemed to really enjoy letting out, letting the winter soldier loose. And so I oh, think no, it's going back know, his
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 I don't think you appreciate method acting enough is what I think. Honestly. <laughs> we're
4: going to start calling him Sebastian day Lewis. That's what we're yeah, going to yeah, start yeah, calling yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: So then, of course, uh, Sam reluctantly agrees, uh, but then tells Zemo that he doesn't do anything without their permission. And then, then Sam asks, where do they start? Roll title cards. Then they're at a garage of uh, Zemo, and apparently
2: his antique cars, as he is a very, very rich yes. dude.
1: Helmet, um, Helmet J. Leno. Um,
2: co-owned by Vin Diesel in The Fast and Furious. I mean,
0: geez. Like, if you think about not only this place, what it has, and then... Zemo's personality, if if I feel like it, just did a facelift. Uh, Stephanie, have you seen this level of swag from a villain in a, in, in a while? What was the last time we seen a, a seen swag like this? Because Zemo was just like he was on one.
3: And know, uh, like the so superhero stuff, or it just in general. Because I was gonna say just, all of the three John Wick. Either way,
0: at this point, because I was just like I was vibing. I was
2: very very yeah. vibing with with what Zemo. was
3: It was doing like there. fun, like Hella.
2: Like, it reminded
0: me of yeah, just,
3: like, yeah. really eating it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Jerome. Um, yeah, actually. Because uh, when she came through and, like, you know, put her hair back and it went right into mm-hmm. um, that crown, like, that was just so dope. But yeah, I, you know, I did not think that watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier series that I would come away after an episode and think to myself, you know what? I really like Baron Zemo and I want to know more about him. Like, yeah. what is that? And you, what yeah. also is funny is that <laughs> Baron Zemo has had a lot more to say about um, just the whole um, African-American experience. Oh my God. Sam has said <laughs> himself. Trouble, bitch, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> I, I watched the episode three times Wikipedia on Zemo Friday.
2: was fantastic. Breaking I'm, it down. That's fact.
3: Yeah, Every time I watch, every time that scene happened, when I watched it, the three times that I did, not because I just think it's the best thing, I had to be prepared for for a thing, (laughs) and also for this. Um, Mm -hmm. each time that that happened, like just that whole scene of him like getting on the plane and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry that you're broke, but I am not," Mm -hmm. Um, and this was waiting for me the whole time. Oh my god!
2: Yeah, he's like cultured. I think it 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 has my favorite MCU. Immediate connect back because you know how like for a lot of characters there sometimes is is a con- disconnect from their original character in the comics mm-hmm. and they like mm-hmm. pepper it in. The man just came in like, "Yo, I'm a Baron." Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's yeah. it. <laughs> just also, can we still, talk? Like- can we talk about the coat pl- quickly? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, un- yeah un- 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 Steph, I know you noticed it. Unbelievable. She tweeted it. I know. That's how I know she noticed it. I don't. I'm not psychic. <laughs> um, but yeah, just you see him roll up and just like he. And some coats wear a person. He wears that coat, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I also, I think that this really worked for me, Zemo, in this episode, because I was joking about it with a friend of the show, Michael Springthorpe, about how... um Daniel Bruhl in everything, not everything, but in so many things he does in English language speaking things, he plays like a cold villain because he's German. But you can <laughs> so clearly tell that that's not his like natural state. Like mm-hmm. he's so much better when he's allowed to like joke and be energetic. And I think that this uses him much better than – because Which is the like face Civil of like War, Dennis the
2: Menace, so you the, wouldn't just like want to go into that. Yeah,
1: because like in Civil War, I feel like they don't really get the most out of casting him they kind of just Mm. casted like the most famous younger German person they could find. But like this, it feels like you're really getting a fun acting performance. Um, Even if it does feel like a complete, you know, not like 180, but like very different than what you got in civil war. I'd rather have something good. That's different than what was before than you know, just staying on it. Cause this would be really boring if he was cold and brooding this entire time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about the
2: jacket, I just need a Vashon and Zemo spinoff, is what I'm saying. That's wow. it. That's it. That's it.
4: No, I mean his the the jacket was the jacket made what Bane wore in The Dark Knight Rises looked like Bane's was from Burlington Coat Factory from the
2: clearance. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was,
4: it was rough, man. and 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 I think I mean, but Jerome, like he had the
2: full fit with it. That's he the did same. the
4: fit, Bane, right? It, it was wasn't rocking, just the coat, right? It wasn't just the, the coat, coat, you know. And and then he gets there and he's schooling, you know, Sam That's and Buffy on. Show. White Boy Summer
2: right there. No, 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 no. We got a here with Baron Zemo. Yeah, he
4: kicked off White Boy Summer 2021 for real, man. Like, I think we are going next level now that Zemo has kicked us off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're already, like, just – it's a slippery slope. We're (laughs) ready right now. But going
4: gonna to say, man, I think honestly, like you guys touched on this too, and Steph, you you mentioned this, right? Like you 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 alluded to the John Wick reference. Like again, J- the the director of John Wick was the one who directed this episode, right? So like right. You, uh, he
3: right. wrote he it actually. He wrote it. Sorry, right, right. right. So he, he wrote it. You.
4: So so like you saw the John Wick influences when Sharon was fighting, mm-hmm. when they were in 4. Yep. It looked very very John Wick like, right? And Zemo, man, like he he owned every scene that he was in. And I agree with what you said, Jake. I didn't think I, well, you said Steph. I did, I did not think I was gonna leave that up. I was like, yeah, man, I wanna see more Zemo. I Cause again, like his arc in the comics is so is so deep that I was like, you could play this for three more episodes, and then maybe you pay it off in a Thunderbolts movie or Marvel tries their hand at a Dark Avengers movie or Masters of Evil movie. But I want Zemo to just run this whole thing. I don't want it to be called Falcon in the Winter Soldier anymore. I want it to be called
0: Baron in the Winter Soldier now. I <laughs> mean, uh. <in> the <laughs> episode brood. really didn't do Oof. anything to uh, to to really make your opinion invalid. If you want, no, I don't know. It's just so... this
1: rude doesn't mean there's not basis for it. I, th- I think if you yeah. go
2: into like just how he's. Honest, Operated the entire episode. Zemo didn't break out of prison. He just strolled out and enjoyed the yes. hell out of his life afterward. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen. Okay, so as we go, he they get on the they get on a private jet. Zemo got
3: a he got a private
0: jet. Goddamn,
2: he's a baron. But,
3: uh, <laughs> I mean, he is. Oh my god, I just back. I just thought of a really terrible joke that I'm going to tweet, and I apologize for it. <laughs> now. Continue. <laughs> it has something to do with um blanks in paris because you, right. because like baron would know about
1: that right yeah but oh yeah you know
4: right. uh, <laughs> it's a quintessential african-american experience
2: baron yeah. clearly
1: told us he knew you guys, <laughs> speaking of which so do you guys remember when gwyneth paltrow fully just tweeted that uh yeah oh, yep. <laughs> oh great yeah oh great like one it was his yeah. like favorite things ever oh and that's, that's why I love it too. Because anything that yeah. Laws loves, I love. Anyway, AC, continue with the recap.
0: <laughs> but right. So like, they, yeah, they're on the, the private jet. They're going to Magipore. And of course it has the, the great moment where where Bucky um has the same, no- Zemo notices Bucky has the same uh, notebook and he's going through the names and then Bucky gets mad at him. And then and then Sam says, oh, I remember that book. And then he talks about uh, Trouble Man. And, <laughs> and he asks, oh, Bucky, you like the Trouble Man? And Bucky's like, I like 40s music. Sam goes, you didn't like it? And Bucky's like, I, I, I liked it. <laughs> so Zemo goes, it's a masterpiece, James. Complete, comprehensive. It captures the African-American experience. And then Sam goes, he's out of line, but he's right. That was just, a, just another Daniel Broll in this episode. We can't highlight it enough. Also, I feel I'm like,
1: I, I haven't seen used, but I feel like he's out of line, but he's right should be like a meme. Like that should be a thing that people use because uh, I think that's a great <laughs> line.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And um, so yeah, so they continue on as they're they're in the jet, and basically, uh, Zemo goes on about how uh, Steve Rogers, while obviously he's a he's a decent man, you can't have people like Steve Rogers because people like him become icons, and then and then when wars are fought and then borders are lost, then um they forget about icons, and then he mentions the Red Skull as well. So. Uh, then as they're on their way to Madripoor, we cut to Lat. Uh, what is it? Uh, Latvia. Yeah, Latvia at a GRC uh, resettlement camp. And Carly calls up to the bedside of a dying older woman, uh, cries and and uh, what you call it? Uh, apparently, this is somebody really close to her. We'll get into that a little bit later. There's a quick, short scene, just showing that maybe this is the, this is one of the reasonings but, behind what the uh, flag smashers and Carly are up to. So we go back to Madripoor and uh Sam takes on the identity of Conrad uh was it Conrad Mike and an uh, African rake who also is known as the Smiling Tiger which is a comical character by Yes,
3: the way. he I absolutely. Get to know him.
0: This uh, so uh, how he's a part he's a he's like a little loose member of the Thunderbolts, correct?
3: Yes, he is. Um and he would take great offense to Sam thinking that his you know, what he wears looks like pimp gear. Now, you know, who wouldn't say that you want to know who would the not say that book
0: from Sam Wilson?
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> no. And actually I think the reason why they brought that up, because I think Colstead was being cute because, you know, when Sam Wilson was originally um, introduced into the Marvel like comic universe, he was a pimp.
0: Wow. He was a yeah.
3: hustler. <laughs> yeah. So Colstead was being, you know, real cute when he, uh, Went ahead and wrote that.
1: I was going to say I the was... answer of who would not say that is anyone other than a white person, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I just no, feel like it was,
2: is... I mean, Zemo pointed out that, you know, you just are quick to jump to a conclusion about a fashion forward black man. So I just want to point that out too. When it comes See, to but our that's men. the
3: thing. The thing is that BM, uh, Zemo was actually calling Sam out and saying, "No, you wish you had that money. You you don't you don't mm. wear the drip well enough mm-hmm. for anybody." Yeah. To that's think. exactly that's
4: exactly what he was doing. And you don't it's you don't have band. that kind of money. You don't have that, you don't have those kind of bands. That's not you. That's not you, Sam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that so Zemo tells um, Bucky that he has to be in his Winter Soldier character. So he has to has to change up, and they say to stay in character no matter what. They take a car to Lowtown. Uh, once they get there they're at the bar and um, the bartender asks uh quote-unquote smiling tiger uh, do you want your favorite drink and um he says yeah and then of course the drink is filled with snake guts which uh was a which was a fun <laughs> a fun little scene of course uh sam drinks uh drinks the snake guts a, a nice little uh disgusting moment there and um and so they continue on with their, con- their, their conversation. And Zemo is, is talking about like uh, the power broker is judge, jury, and executioner. Um, that's what I know, he doesn't, he doesn't know who the power broker is. We, we still don't know who this is yet. And we'll, we'll kind of surmise some theories a little bit later. But um, so then a, a man goes over to Zemo and warns him that uh, you're not welcome here. And then Zemo goes to Bucky. He basically is like, activate yourself. And then Bucky proceeds to go into full Winter Soldier, beating the crap out of everybody who takes him on in, in the in the bar. And um, this was a great uh, reintroduction to uh, Bucky as the Winter Soldier. I think there's been arguments in the MCU um, after his appearance, his initial appearance as uh, the Winter Soldier in Cap America Winter Soldier that um, it almost seems like to a lesser degree, he hasn't been, he hasn't been able to strut his stuff, powers wise and strength wise. And this was a nice way to get back to that. Uh, Jerome, did you did you enjoy that
2: little action set with Bucky? I was good. It was nice to. I'm sorry, I'm reading Steph's tweet. <laughs> I just caught it on my timeline. Um, anyway, back to it. No, it was uh, it was very similar in feeling to watching Vision do his thing in WandaVision. You know, it's just you forget like why this guy is supposed to be the scariest. Like we haven't seen this since like the actual like Winter Soldier, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you know, like even when it came to um, Civil War, like you just knew that he was. He can keep up. Right. But like, was he a threat? Not really. Like he was just trying to remember shit. So um to see him do his thing here it's uh it's it just in the same feeling um and also like because you kind of have to establish that for the characters that you have left right like you gotta right. kind of show as a larger marvel universe you still got some ammo over here in all these characters so it is cool to have him kind of do his thing for a little bit and also look yeah. like he might be enjoying it a bit uh too much
4: well and it yes, did that was yeah well, was, no no yeah, go go ahead, yeah, I was going to say it didn't help that in Civil War, you had T'Challa washing him in some Kohan shoes and some, you know, slim fit slacks, right? Like you had T'Challa, T'challa washing him up and down the, the damn embassy, right? Like, so it didn't really help that much. But I agree, Jerome. I think that we folks forget that, like, if Bucky doesn't assassinate the Starks, right? If Bucky, like, Bucky had his hand on so many things. Throughout the history of the Marvel Universe, Bucky was the guy moving a lot of these things forward, and I think it's very easy to forget just how much of a badass he is. I think it's very easy to forget, and I think in this episode we were kind of reminded of that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I keep, I, I keep coming back to the fact that I'm, I'm worried he's going to go off the deep end, right? Because there's no way, and Anthony, you'll get to, you'll get to this in your recap. There's no way that we get to the end of it when we see who shows up that they feel okay with what he's doing with helping Zemo do whatever it is that they're doing. There's just no way.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. And I, and the other thing that I'll mention with that is, uh, you talk about Bucky kind of like enjoying it so much um, that, that Bucky Zemo team up vibe, it feels like this is not just a one-off. It feels like this is continuing in some type of form. So I'm just going to be watching that very closely going forward as the show evolves to see if it leads anywhere, um, but you know, eventually guns are drawn, and um, they say that that uh, that Selby will see them. They go up to see Selby, and uh, Zemo offers Bucky as as a way to you know not uh, to get some information on on the power broker and where the serum is, and then uh, she mentions uh, Doctor Wolfram Nagel. And, uh, so like, so they're, you know, they're getting their little negotiation on, and then before, um, they can get to some terms, uh, Sam gets a call from Sarah, um, at the, really the worst, um, worst time that you can get a phone call. First thing I thought when he picked up the phone is like, oh, wow, he got Wi-Fi in there. His phone plan is on point internationally. Um, and then of course, so (laughs) Sam has to act, you know, act like he's a gangster and, and he goes with the whole like she's talking about the bank, and he's like, "Yeah, we money laundered that. We what you call it? Yeah, I, I take care of that and, and, and whatever." So he's acting on cocky, and then of course the phone call ends, and she calls him Sam. So then Selby goes Sam, and then of course it's all off. Everybody's fighting. Selby gets shot uh, through the uh, through the window. She's dead. And uh, then everybody gets uh, texts on their phone, like the John Wick uh, movies. To mm-hmm. Dalvin's point from or from earlier, uh, they're off to the races. Uh, Sam Zemo and Bucky, uh, they're they're running away. They look like they're in a little bit of trouble. And then um, the two people who are chasing them in motorcycles get shot. And uh, we see one Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter makes her her return to the MCU, and mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, Jake, she definitely has a way different personality than mm-hmm. we last left her. Yes. What, were, what was your
1: thinking? She, that? I think that, uh, i love this, the, the character, the way that she was characterized. I think it's super fascinating. And I think that because she's basically, she's a hardened criminal basically, you know? Um, and she has been, she can't go home to her home country. She can't have a legitimate job because she went out on a limb for Steve Rogers. And while, uh, you know, Bucky and Sam get pardons, she gets stuck in, um, actually obviously she's done well for herself, but I think that there's, I I think it was really cool to see, um, kind of the, uh, how, how she, she was such an idealistic character that like, she, you know, she did the eulogy at her great aunt's funeral about how, uh, you, you know you just do things in service of your country or whatever and now she's just like you know fuck you i got to get mine um i mm-hmm. suspect that that's not all that's going on but i i yes. also think that there's just like a ways that um i think it was just honestly really great well done by emily van camp um just because i think it's not just uh cuz i think that it's very easy to just to make a character change to make the change a character's change just be the the words you say but she kind of like moves differently she acts differently yeah. like it's very it's all through and like it just feels like it's a different person and it, i i appreciate how they kind of lean into that with like sam and bucky kind of realizing over time too like oh this is not the person that we left um also yeah, she, she's like, almost yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, she's almost really emboldened like uh she it's is. just like her personality's uh enhanced and you can see it. Uh, Steph what what did you think of of Sharon's uh, return to the MCU and what she looks like as opposed to what she looked like before?
3: Um I loved it cuz like if you got if <laughs> if your great uncle who kissed you forgot about you and where you your whole living situation and the fact that you are still a um enemy of the state, and now you mm-hmm. just manage for, her, and you're just like doing side quests and missions to make ends meet. Like you would be upset. <laughs> That's too, what she's right? That's what she's doing.
4: She is. She's selling. She. I mean, she's selling. She's a selli- she's, a, she's the equivalent of selling feats on the internet, right? Like that that whole thing, like from yep. a couple months ago, right? But Steph, honestly, you you hit a point earlier about Fa- about Falcon, right, and how he kind of took a back seat. He's taking a back seat, and I will say that as of right now, if they ended the the series now and gave Falcon the shield, they wouldn't feel earned. Sharon Mm -hmm. Carter's arc feels earned. Like Sharon Carter was there when the Triskelion, you know, when, when Hydra invaded the Triskelion and they blew the lid off of that, she had to go on the run. Uh, Jake, you mentioned she didn't get to see her family, right? So we have, she's not seeing her family. She, because she then gets stationed in the CIA. So she, she came out okay. Then they, then in her love of country, she sides with Cap and Falcon and mm-hmm. has to go underground, right? So her, this moment is earned for her. Whereas I, and I think for Bucky, it's earned. And I think for Zemo, it's earned. I think Sam isn't. And I think that's why I appreciated with Sharon, what Emily Van Camp and just the whole Sharon Carter thing in this because it felt earned. It felt right. It felt like, yeah, I understood why you're, why you're selling fake paintings in and, 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 and this, you know, backwater town. I understand why you're doing it
0: yeah yeah it's interesting like you mentioned that and and i think it goes all back to the overarching point of what this episode is it feels like all of these characters are being highlighted and sam is not and it's just and i just found it weird I was i was was watching the episode it came over me the first time when i was watching and i was like it just felt weird i didn't on you know, and it's not like I didn't like the episode. I actually enjoyed the pacing. I thought that, and I thought Zemo brought a different energy. I thought Sharon brought a different energy. Seeing Bucky and his element was really cool. And I was cool with the episode. But then also I'm looking at the other side and I just feel like, I feel like Anthony Mackie's just there. And I don't know. Like, it was just, I don't know. It just made me feel weird. But, um, you know, as we continue on, uh, they. the, Sharon takes them to her 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 little spot in Hightown. Uh, she has an art gallery. She's making a lot of bread off of it. Sam seems so confused. He Actually, this is the first time that, that that Sam actually makes a little comment about that because Bucky seems to know that this is how you can sell paintings and stuff like that. Zemo seems to know this too. And then, you know, Sam got to go Google it <laughs> and, check, and check that out to find out. But then um, they start having a conversation as they're changing to go to a party later. And uh, Sharon is on to the stuff that Dalvin was talking about. Sharon is talking about how um, heroism is hypocrisy and uh, carrying the shield. It's like, I could see why you gave up the shield, Sam. So like her mentality is completely different. So I am looking kind of looking forward to seeing where they take her character um, in the remaining episodes here. But so we go through that and then we get the party. And this is a very, very, very quick scene. Mm -hmm. Um, you think that nothing happens in it at Mm -hmm. all. And then we get the most iconic shot of the weekend. Mm -hmm. No doubt at all. Zemo dancing in the club, like no one's watching Mm -hmm. with the fist bump. Mm -hmm. Woo. I don't I feel can like I I'm check in as people.
1: our uh, as our white man correspondent for yeah, this d- yeah, go I think it I over. think I can offer perspective that no one else can unfortunately yes, um yes, go ahead. I'll say this I think I'm probably a slightly better dancer than Zemo but not by much. I think that there is I because I've tried to really understand why it is that white guys dance like this because I think that there is the problem always is that the instinct to not embarrass yourself – outweighs the instinct to dance well and so that's why they always we we always dance like the way we do It's because like we want to like be less seem like we're dancing but we're afraid if we try anything too ambitious then like we'll and we fail we'll embarrass ourselves when Stay of within course box when of course the secret to any sort of thing ever is that the most embarrassing thing you can do is to be very conscious of embarrassing yourself um always um but yeah, I think that it's um, – honestly, I think it's the same reason why every white family on Family Feud is always weird because they don't want to get too excited because they're afraid they're going to embarrass themselves. It's like he's, <laughs> like, he's kind of danced around like, yeah, this is how one dances, but it's like, no, man, just let your freak flag fly. Clearly, he understands music, you know, um, mm-hmm. and clearly – you know, the way I dance when nobody's watching, you know, to use a phrase, is very different the way I dance when people are watching. And some I think that the message should be that you should those should be the same thing. You should always dance like nobody's watching. And now I'm a greeting card. I think you
4: should be, Jake, I'm gonna be honest, I think you should be hired as the white man correspondence for all parties going forward. Because I've always wondered what it is that drives, you know, white folks. that. I have my best friend is half black, half white. And he says that the issue is that half his brain is always dancing to Journey's Don't Stop Believing. That's like the so can't dance. Mm. That's the problem
1: I think the problem too is and this is, I say this is someone who has done it on the record of saying that I just don't like any music can be described as dance. And I know that that's <laughs> not a good thing about me, but the problem is that so much white music is not danceable. So like we don't get a lot of practice, you know? Like no one is no one's out here at the club like breaking down to Bruce Springsteen you know um and not that that and not that that's what Zemo's dance to I mean but
2: <laughs> Jake I'd be I've been at a, a St. Patrick's Day in a pub where Mumford son's is uh going off and it's a religious experience for everyone I understand else, that, but I'm are a little they terrified really dancing, for my life though,
1: I guess is what I'm but, saying
2: I mean yeah that's true but I'm just saying like uh at least in the broader sense of you can feel music clearly okay. and you can express it. Uh, it just may look different. Um, as a person who has observed white people dancing, mm-hmm. uh, I can say uh, everything you're saying is absolutely correct. I think what we have learned about Zemo throughout the course of a very, of just this one episode is this is a man who is completely comfortable with himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He owns every part of himself. He is corny as hell the whole way through, mm-hmm. but he knows what he's about. He wants to get a good fist bump out and he doesn't want super soldier serums in the world. Those are the two things that he knows, those are the two things he's sticking with.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, See, I'm I disagree that. with you, I disagree with you there because I think that he's confident in every part of his life. But I'm just telling you, the way but he, the confidence in like looking that, around, like, he's looking around as he's doing it. Like, I think that you could be the most confident person in every walk mm, of your life, but okay, when you okay. get on the dance floor, you're like, I do, am I looking dumb?
2: But like, so the looking around, the, like, yeah, we would have to really go back in and we can spend an I entire guess what is just breaking just, down the film. Like, what it, is he? Is he looking on a mission? Is he yeah. looking to see, like, who is monitoring him dancing? Is he looking to see, like, is anyone vibing the way I'm vibing right now? Because yeah. I'm kind of getting that there is no insecurity in what he's doing right there. Because, mm. okay. like, if you cut to, like, the previous shot of him uh, just, like, taking a drink and just looking a little off in the distance... He knows where he's headed.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I honestly don't know. I just feel like there's just a baseline insecurity on the dance floor that white people feel. Um, and and the thing is that when we don't feel it, we don't dance well either. So it's not like it's unearned. So anyway, well, that's we can where I on. take
2: my yeah. like observing the full yeah. range of white people dancing. And my impression, based on my experience and data, is that man is very comfortable with
0: himself.
1: Well, you know what? Yeah, whatever he's doing, he's not doing it well, but I appreciate the fact that he's doing it.
0: Yeah. Oh no, it was it was the most iconic uh scene of the weekend. Uh, iconic gif and, and meme. Uh Steph, uh, anything to add on Zemo's uh, incredible moment there?
3: I mean, it just made me up my love for him. I, I just again mm-hmm. walked away a freaking Zemo fan. By the I wish he could, Did he keep his
2: jacket in the club? No. No. no nah, he it took, it took it off. He had to <laughs> like, He had to come loose. It was turned on right? next, gotta, gotta it, it next
4: season in the club. <laughs>
2: No, but that's the thing. Like, it reminded me of a friend of mine from back in the day. Uh, I'm just going to say his full name. There's no way he's going to hear this. Derek Poon <laughs> uh, had uh, gone with us to the club, and he would never dance. Like, he'd never get out there. But I remember one particular time, he was, like, in there in a full-on leather jacket. And, like, they got a coat check. This guy's prob- This guy's got the money for a coat check. And I asked him, like, yo, aren't you hot? <laughs> like, just straight up, he's like, aren't you hot, my guy? And he's just like... Well, I don't have to. Da- I'm not going to dance, so I don't need to do this anyway. But see, like, that's why Baron Zemo knows what he's up to. He yeah. knows what he's getting into. You got to go to the coat check. You got to get that coat. You got to go to the coat check. Also, mm-hmm. like, if you have that coat, I wouldn't blame him if he actually kept it the whole time because, like, you don't want to lose it.
3: That's true.
1: No, yeah. Absolutely.
3: That's the that's and... coat I'm
2: stealing the coat check.
3: Mm. <laughs> that's a nice ass coat. Yeah. It's I'm a nice ass coat.
2: <laughs> what?
0: He's like that pull the
2: ticket and just be flames. like, yeah, that one's me right there. Mm-hmm. Just walk out in it right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so eventually Sharon comes and gets them, and uh, they're off to a shipping yard the next morning, and uh, they're they're going to Nagel's laboratory, which is in one of the shipping containers. Um, and so then Sharon gives everybody comms, and she's waiting outside because she knows bounty hunters are are abound for all three of them. And so then they find uh, Wilfred Nagel, and then we get more uh, exposition on uh, Nagel and the and the Super Soldier Serum. Twenty vials of serum were stolen by uh, Carly and the mm-hmm. and the Flag Smashers. and so we learned that. Uh, we also learned that it was pretty clear that the that the person being used to get those uh, serums to work properly was Isaiah Bradley. Uh, we learned that as well, and then. As uh, they're learning all these things, uh, Sharon is outside beating and killing the holy hell out of all of these bounty
1: hunters, which
0: these close-up action scenes things, this is my vibe.
1: This is what you I'm could see, Thank you so much, Emily Van Cam. For, she clearly did the training and stuff. Because yeah. there's, yeah. Uh, well, obviously there are scenes with stunt. Doubles and stuff. There's so much of it is actually her. And I was honestly, you can kind of just tell by looking at her. Like you can tell when an actor has done the training and when they, they haven't. And she like is fucking just really doing some great shit, great acting stuff. Um, and it just makes such a difference when you can show action scenes close off because you don't have to treat it with a stunt double. It is it's like when you watch um,
2: a sports movie and you can see a person who is playing a basketball player mm-hmm. but can actually ball or at least knows how to ball versus mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. who just like Versus Wesley Snipes away. in White Man Can't Jump.
1: But he couldn't <laughs> yeah. dribble without looking at the ball. That's just a fact. Yeah, it's,
2: no, no, it's true. Um, it's true.
0: No, it's one. Yeah, you're right. Um, But yeah, that, that was cool. And, sh- you know, she's throwing knives at dudes. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's uh, what you call it. She getting slammed into the wall and she's still getting up. She's mm-hmm. choking dudes out. Just, man, just a, an excellent, excellent scene as uh, the exposition is going on. I was impressed so you were
2: putting it on Disney. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a a little more a more violence than where than we're used to on on uh, on Disney with some of these things. So I thought that was a very cool. It was a very very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, those scenes played out to be so. Once Nagel gives up his explanation, then Zemo shoots him because now nah, he ain't trying to have more Super Soldier Serum out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nagel's dead. The bounty hunters come through. They blow up the shipping container and recipes to whole... billy
1: gale and mike ryan no
0: the Show. but yeah so like once uh so zemo then gets out of there and um so it's a whole bunch of confusion there's a big firefight outside uh zemo picks up the iconic mask and dons it for the first time in the mcu which was really a cool moment and then all, all he has to do while uh while well, Sam, Sharon, and Bucky are getting all these shots off, and Sam and Bucky are arguing. Um, Sebo just does one shot to the gas tank, everything explodes, and um, he takes care of business there, and then um, he's he gets a car, and uh, he, Sam, and Bucky leave, and Sharon, as a uh, Sam had made a deal with Sharon earlier that I'll, I'll extradite you, I'll get you pardoned. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam asked her to come back with them to the States and she says, no, um, they leave. She has a car come along and then she, she goes, um, I have a problem and I'm um, have a couple of problems now actually. And I'll tell you in the car, uh, Stephanie, what do you think that means? I don't
3: know. Yeah, I'm still here. I just, um, I don't know.
0: So, okay. So there's a couple of, a couple of things, uh, going around the, around the internet with the rumors and stuff. Uh, Dalvin, this is kind of your territory here. Uh, so there's a lot of people saying that Sharon either is the power broker or, which
3: I this is what I think. I think she's
4: working for the power broker. Yeah, uh, that Dalvin,
3: part, yes, What yes,
4: is your opinion it. on this? Uh Steph, do you want to go first? Because I, I no, because I,
3: yeah. oh, no, I, I just thought about something. You just triggered a memory. Um, I had not oh, considered that she might be working with the power broker, but she could. There was a Avengers or Captain America, like very old um comic that I came across the other day. And um like uh, Steve asks Sharon to step down from Shield mm. and then she Ends up I believe Getting involved some way with some people not Directly with the power broker with, but with Some folks that dealt with him And then later on that's when They bring him back and you get the whole John Walker situation so uh-huh. um, Possibly but Go ahead and take it away but I um, Yeah I hadn't even considered that But maybe I would love it if she was
4: yeah, I think. I mean. The fire. Yeah, I think. I think she could be. I think that there. There's a chance that she is. But I think, what's. I think what's telling for me is in Wolverine's bar because that was also an Easter egg from Marvel. The The, yeah. print, the True, bar that they in Wolverine's bar. Um, Sharon's outside. Somebody shot Selby, right? Um, and. I don't know that Sharon could shoot her and get downstairs in enough time to be the person that did all that. Right. But there is something to be said for one Falcon offering her a pardon when he can't get a loan for his sister. So that that's kind of a joke. I think I, you know, and and I think, I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of funny, but with Sharon in particular, if she is the power broker. She's the most powerful person in Poor. She's the most powerful person in Madripoor. I think if she wanted a pardon, considering all the power that she would have if she's the power broker, she could get one. So I don't think it's her. The person that I keep coming back to for it possibly being the power broker is Justin Hammer. That's the person I keep coming back to. Because, oh. because if you remember, Justin Hammer was in jail. The the real Mandarin came and got him, took him out, right? And we never right. saw him after that in, in Long Live the King, right? Or All Hail the King, yeah. sorry. So I, the he's Wars, the sorry. one, he's the one, because I think, <clears throat> I think that what Marvel's done with Disney plus, and now the, then now the movies, especially in phase four is they're trying to craft these self-contained stories, right? So you have yes. WandaVision. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and then Spider-Man. I think that's one. And then I yes. think this one in particular, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, with Black Widow, and with Armor mm. wars with Don Cheadle, I think that's this story. And, mm. and Dustin Hammer is the guy who would have stood to benefit the most from the death of Tony Stark right? And we know that we right. have the real Mandarin coming in Shang-Chi, but I don't think Justin Hammer's involved in that story so much. I think- Yeah, that's, that's, I
0: think, she, I think, she, yeah, I think that, uh, that one is its own thing. Yeah, yeah, um, I think
4: it's its own thing. But Justin Hammer as the power broker is the one I keep coming back to because also, and this isn't to be confused with a WandaVision twist or whatever, but the director of, of uh, the showrunner of Falcon and Winter Soldier has repeatedly said episode five, has a very grounded uh, character that they'd like to see interact with somebody like Thor or something like that. And it's it's either, I think, in order for it to mean something to us, it has to be somebody we've met. And that's why I think it's Justin Hammer. I do not think it's going to be a new character. I think it's Justin Hammer. Jerome, you are killing me with your background. I love it.
3: Oh, my God. (laughs) That's... That's out you know of line, what? but you're right. It, it is out of line, of line, but it's it's very perfect. It's actually, very I would have preferred. I would have preferred Baron Zemo hosted the versus Steve done. Harvey.
1: Yeah, I could have done that. <laughs> now, That's actually the right call. Now, though. just to keep moving, I actually think I don't think yeah. that Sharon Carter is working for the power broker only because. There, the scene in which she gets in the car, it feels like they're trying really hard to make you think she is. Like, they're laying mm-hmm. on a little thick with, like, the mis- mis- mystery. And a theory I like, and I believe it was Jason Concepcion who tweeted it, is that she thinks that he, she's working... I mean, he thinks that she's working for Nick Fury in Madripar, is his theory. Oh, which wow. I think... So, something like... Even if it's not Nick Fury, I think that... I, for a couple reasons. I think both because if they lay it on thick with making you think she works for the power broker and also because I think just narratively, if the, uh, if it if her, if her arc basically is that she helps Cap get screwed over for it, goes into a life of crime and then she has a secret and it turns out she's even worse than you thought she was, that's just actually not that satisfying of an narrative arc compared to she's secretly working for the good guys. And obviously that's the more cheesy version. But like I think yeah. that that's kind of where, the, that's where her arc kind of, feels like it naturally would go in the Marvel framework because Marvel tends to not do things where people, you know, are worse than you think they are. If they already are, it just doesn't feel like something they would do. So I think she's probably secretly working for a good person as opposed to secretly working for the power worker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, her her direct character change in her personality kind of like will lead you on a path that could, you know, kind of just be a misdirect. Marvel's been known to do that at times. Well, yeah, the power broker thing is interesting. Like, I, I'm very curious to see who this actually is. Um, I don't know if we will get this in episode four, but um, obviously, it has to be soon because we're halfway through already. So, um, that part will be interesting, just to kind of finish up the plot here. Uh, Carly goes to a GRC supply depot in in uh, Latvia, and then uh, she has a uh, one of her one of her people join her. And then he tells her that maybe she should take some time off, considering what happened to Donia Madani, who that's the name of the person uh, who died. Uh, Carly says that the world is theirs and uh, they're going to use all of their strength to give it to the kids in the camps. So, uh, you know, of course, uh, the gentleman Dovich warns that the power broker will still come after them. And and Carly tells her comrade that now that Nagel is dead, how does she find that out that fast? Uh, the power broker will have to negotiate uh, with them to get the serum. So so they still have some serum with them. So that's a nice little nugget to know as well. So maybe that'll come into play because one way or another, considering uh, what we get next with John Walker and Battlestar are uh, in Berlin. They find out that they can put two and two together. The Sam and Bucky broke out Zemo. So now they're going to go after them all of these roles seem like they will lead together very soon and um one can only gather that i think john walker at some point will get the ceremony in um and uh, that'll give him um extra power super strength and all that so that's going to be fascinating going forward so then we go to europe uh and uh back in in latvia as before, well, beforehand, can I and just I say right my... quickly,
1: can I say great quickly yes. that I had a big discussion with our f- my friend, Michael through about? Yes. And this is just, this is me as being the biggest pedant in the world that they say that they're in Riga and Zemo calls it a city by the Baltic, which like I just personally feel like Riga is the capital of Latvia. It's not a city by the Baltic. That's stupid. Like, come on. Like, it's like if a capital of a country. The most descriptive thing you can call Riga is the capital of Latvia. Saying the city by the Baltic, that could be anywhere on the Baltic. Like, that just was just like that. That was. I don't. Uh, I was a geography nerd growing up. Surprise, surprise, surprise. um But like, come on, man. Like, th- it just feels dumb, and it's just like this is just say the capital of Latvia. I don't know. I, it just made me madder than it should have. And now I need to put that madness onto the audience because I'm a bad podcast host. Continue. Well, I will say so every
4: much. time every time yeah. Latvia came up, I thought they were going to I say, say like, Latvia, like, right?
1: Yeah,
4: every time, every time. So I will say that. The other part yeah. too, because Anthony, you mentioned this, um, with with uh, Donya Madani dying, Like, there's also a Dina Madani that was in The Punisher, the, the, the Marvel Netflix show, right? right? Right. and so yeah. when i heard her name i was like and i know that kevin feige has said like you know the netflix shows aren't canon and i get all that but according to Ant- me and anthony's you know Mur- murphy's multiverse boss daredevil will be in spider-man right with the same daredevil yeah. as the guy from netflix so i mean right. i did think when i saw that name i was like hmm. i was like i wonder what that's about <laughs>
0: And, uh, no, I mean, listen, you and me can go on these rabbit holes on for on forever. Um, <laughs> but for sure. I, I'm not It's okay. It's okay. Um, so as so as they're on their their way down their way to Europe, uh Sam calls Torres and Torres has him uh, locate uh located where the the flag smashers were previously uh, once he hang he hangs up i thought zemo said something interesting where he goes i'm looking i'm looking very forward to, to meeting carly so that should be a fun exchange if we get to that point um and then we get to the flag smashers who have a, a cache of supplies and they drive off with them there are guards still inside the building and Carly tells the leaders that they were just sitting on the supplies when people needed them. And so once they they get into the car, um, she blows up the entire building with the, with the guards inside. Now, Jake, I know you mentioned this last episode in terms of like wanting to know more about the Flag Smashers um, mm-hmm. ideologies and stuff yeah. like that. Well, what do you think about what uh, you I, saw here?
1: I, I What I think is that I blew it with that saying that they were going to end up being sympathetic people. I think that, I, I think clearly they are trying to frame this as like, this is the moment where Carly crosses the Rubicon, just because even the person she's with um, is like, yo, what are you doing? Uh, and yeah, I think that that's kind of going to be, I think that the unfortunate thing about that is just like the rules of mass entertainment dictate that once you decide killing innocent people is okay, you have to die or like get seriously injured. So I don't think Carly's long for this world. Um, and it's kind of sad because I thought she was a very interesting character. But I think that, and I, I imagine there's probably gonna be some internal strife within the Flag Smashers about that, because uh, I can't imagine that they're all super cool with burning innocent people alive.
0: Yeah, and, and Steph, what, what do you think about now that now that we see Carly is upping the ante and what that means for her going forward, as she, I'm sure she's gonna run into not only Sam, Bucky, but uh, John and, and Lamar.
3: Um, I loved it, and it's kind of funny though, um, because you would think that you would draw more parallels between John Walker and Sam, but you can't because they haven't allowed us to do so. But you're able mm-hmm. to draw parallels with um, her and John Walker in the sense of, you know, these are folks who, you no know, matter is the you know, get it done no matter what, what by by any means necessary. Justify um, the
1: means, that old thing.
3: Yes, and with John Walker in that beginning scene where, you know, the guy spits on him and then he like loses it. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, pushing him closer to having that. I mean, like actually doing that, like carrying um, the, you know, by any means necessary, um, Mm -hmm. which she has already done and in a sense, losing um, her humanity a little bit. And it's just kind of sad because you see that, she's not doing this because she's necessarily an evil person. She just believes that this is the only way that she can get her point across. Um, And like she, and also maybe she feels at this time that she doesn't have an opportunity to like have that better life that she wants Mm -hmm. to become a teacher or whatever. So I love it um, for this character. Mm -hmm. I hate that it might end in her death, but it's just It was just so funny to me that this is the character who I'm drawing parallels to, to John Walker, when it should be Sam. Yeah. Or it could another be Sam, I should point. say. Not should, but it could be Sam. Yeah. It's another,
0: it's another fair point, and, 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 it, and again, drives home the theme, and then we get to uh, Riga, where Zemo, Sam, and Bucky are walking, and then Zemo says something very interesting about Sokovia, that it's been wiped from the map, basically completely Mm -hmm. but you know Mm -hmm. that he talks about the rubble and dalvin i have to say when he talked about that briefly it made me think about what you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about every time that we saw latvia thinking about latveria and i wonder and this is maybe a, a theory i'll go down i wonder out of the rubble of sokovia this is where latveria is
2: built
4: i agree i agree i think that that's exactly it i i when i was watching it i was like hmm. i was like i know what he's saying uh because i think that one of the things and Faggy can continue to play coy about this all he wants he keeps saying that the disney plus shows are really about supporting the movies they're not going to move these things forward i don't think that's true right because we left hmm. wandavision with the real scarlet witch right so we left okay. Wandavision with the real scarlet witch white vision is now out there we've seen that's wiccan okay. and speed Right. So we've seen that we've seen all those things. And then now already, you know, in three episodes, we have seen that there are now 20 super soldier serums out there. Right. So we have 20 super soldier serums out there. We have what we now know is Baron Zemo, not helmet Zemo, who they try to just tell us. He was just a military man in civil war. We have Baron Zemo with all these resources in a world where I might add, where there's no Tony Stark anymore. So Baron Zemo is probably the wealthiest person outside of T'Challa in this universe, right? Um, but when he said that, I thought, and immediately thought, I said, that's, that's where they're going. Like, this is laying the eggs, the, the breadcrumbs for Dr. Doom and, you know, just where we're going with it. Because there's no way, we have to think about where Marvel is right now. In this post-blip world, after you've introduced arguably, arguably the Avengers' greatest foe in Thanos and they've gotten rid of him and all this stuff. You now know that Kang is coming, right? You know that Kang the Conqueror is We'll
0: get to coming, that shortly. Right, we'll
4: yeah. get to that shortly. We know that Kang is coming, but Kang is a, is a he's, he's he, that's time, that's him messing with reality. They need an yeah. earth grounded villain and I think that's yes. Dr. Doom. And when I heard Zemo say that, I thought the same thing, AC, I thought the same thing.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting going forward. Uh, if and when they get to that, I'm sure there's definitely a when as far as Dr. Doom is concerned. But um, just to kind of finish up this last uh, last scene here, so as the the trio gets to the spot that they go into, Bucky notices something that's a little off, and um, he says, I'm, "I'm gonna go for a walk," and then he goes for a walk, and then we see uh, the Wakandan beads uh, that the Wakandan technology that's on the ground. He picks up one, and then he picks up another, and then. Um, you know, eventually he gets into an alleyway and then he sees uh, one of the Dora Milaje, Ayo. And uh, Ayo says that she is here for Zemo. And of course, you know, Wakandan is there all on Zemo. And I think that's why we got that exposition with Sam to make sure that, hey, don't forget that they're looking for, they you know, he killed uh, King T'Chaka. And uh, we get the role credits a Wakandan presence in this show. Um is very interesting. Steph, what did you think of the way that, that this uh, episode concluded?
3: Fuck them, man, because now I have to watch the fourth <laughs> the fourth episode, and that is why I will watch. I mean, it's gonna watch anyway, but I mean like this is why I will like actively Intently. watch this show. Yeah. Yes, with intent. Unlike Sam, I will have intent and I will watch this show. <laughs>
0: It's going We're to be so interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jerome, uh, what did you make of this ending and uh, what do you think it means? Um, I mean, I, I think everything, it was pretty clear in what it means. Like she's going after Simo, but um, no, nah, I got excited about it. But yeah, like it's, it's Falcon and Winter Soldier and many, 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 yes. many, many friends at yes. this point. Like the yes. way WandaVision was such a focused, like specific yeah. story that revolved around a handful of characters. It is this is just like who else did we not see in a while? <laughs> you know? So um and remember, I, we still
0: have characters that we haven't been introduced to yet. Right,
2: so. right. Um, but honestly. Uh, i i really just came out of this episode after all of the zemo stuff and that there uh this was like i (laughs) i have not been thinking too critically about this uh season at all in any way Mm -hmm. and i was like i needed this episode because like i knew i was coming into falcon and winter soldier just being like look i have spent All those hours of WandaVision, like diving deep and thinking about it and just seeing all the pieces they're putting together. I just want to have fun. And like, I finally Mm -hmm. got had some fun with this one. So Mm -hmm. uh, here's some more fun (laughs) with some Wakanda presents, too. So uh, I think to that end, I'm really uh, into that. But yeah, there's a good chance I might come out of this being like, they didn't really do much around Falcon and Winter Soldier. (laughs)
0: No, yeah i know and it was a great way to kind of end the episode jake in terms of um in terms of not only where you see the series right now uh what did, what did you think of not only the ending but uh where we're going
1: i think what Drum said is a good point in my new crusade i'm on of this whole idea that like television is better when it's fewer episodes because like i get that they probably couldn't get anthony Mack and sebastian say from one six episodes but like I don't. The problem for me is not that they have all these characters because I think that one of the great things about television is that you can have a wide array of characters. It's why I love television. It's why my favorite form of media, really. But you just can't do that with six. Episodes. I, I don't.
2: I never thought it was a problem as much as like just more that oh, we're just going to get a lot of stuff. Like I yeah. Don't,
1: I, I guess what it mean is because it inevitably yeah. will take away from the main characters. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. I,
2: I'm just more just we're pointing out. out that like clearly yeah. we're not going to have a focused story. But exactly. But, funny enough, like, you know, introduce a new character in Zemo, and I suddenly really enjoy this Yeah, series, I don't mind it, believe me.
1: I've yeah. joked I joke before, yeah. I, I've joked many times that the m- way that you most guarantee I will like a movie is the amount of characters I can name off the top of my head in it. So, like, that's not actually a problem for me. It is kind of like, I want to be able to spend more time with these people. But, I think it just makes sense for Wakanda being introduced. Because, like, you kind of point out that, like, if, if Wakanda is this all-powerful nation that we know it is, and its head of state was murdered, and the guy who murdered the head of state was broken out of prison, it would be actually... If Wakanda never was introduced, someone would tweet, like, halfway through episode five, like, why doesn't Wakanda care that Zemo is out of prison? So, like, I get yeah. it. And I also I also think that it's actually... I, I think that their presence is going to be less... I think it will be a lot of... There'll be a way to confront uh, Bucky with the dilemma of do you do what you think is right to solving an ultimate end or like what is moral and just, because he's going to be like, no, I need Zemo to solve this problem. But Wakandans are going to say rightly, but we deserve justice too. And so I think that that's the conflict that it will introduce.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, I feel like that's where, that's where we're going in terms of, like I said earlier, Zemo and, and, uh, Bucky, there just seems to be, and, and I felt the vibe very heavy in this episode, like this is just, this is something that's starting with the two of them. And this is going to continue to build. So, so Bucky's going to be put, like Jake said, in a very difficult position. And uh, finally, Dalvin, uh, what do you think of the, the prospects of the series going forward?
4: Yeah, I think uh, to Jake's point, I think it's also, it's, it's an act of betrayal in a lot of ways, because Wakanda's who saved Bucky. Like if, if remember when he tags along to the mission with Falcon and and Falcon calls him the the Winter Soldier he's like no it's the White Wolf so clearly he acknowledges that right like clearly he yeah. acknowledges the role that Wakanda did so that way Zemo can't scramble his his brain anymore right he's he's wearing vibranium on his arm right and we just saw in Wanton division what the government would do to get their hands on. Millions of dollars of vibranium. We just saw that too. So I think there's even I think even deeper There's that there's the I think with with AO showing up There is that kind of betrayal from Bucky like we saved you. How could you go and and break Zemo out? And I think yeah. Because Zemo's endgame here, right? He even says it to he makes it very clear And then when we talk about drip we talk about confidence. We talk about swag Baron Zemo went to Falcon and Bucky and said, my work cannot be allowed to stay unfinished. Like, he's there to finish what he started in Civil War, mm-hmm. right? So that means yeah. anybody that's taken this super soldier serum is going to die. That means, <laughs> that, that means like, that's what, that's what he's going to do. And so I think, <clears throat> it, I think, his end game directly clashes with with Sam's. I don't know that it directly clashes with Bucky's because I don't right. think Bucky's end game is to rid the world of super soldiers. I think he's trying to figure out where he fits in in terms of what Steve wanted, right? Like yeah. am I the guy? Cuz he even tells Falcon in this episode, I'm going to go take the shield for myself because now now bucky thinks he should be the he should be captain america he should be the guy Mm. right and so i think we've introduced Mm -hmm. even another layer into it because Here's this thing, right? Like v- Ultron says it in Age of Ultron, the world's most flexible, the strongest metal, and they turned it into a Frisbee. But it's a Frisbee that has caused all these issues during all these different times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think, mm-hmm. we're, I think we end the season with Falcon and Bucky not on the same page. And I think, I think you end up splitting them because I think they want different things.
0: You know, that's actually I would actually like that. Um, I think that's, um, that's actually very interesting. And uh, Steph, before we move on to our our final topic. uh, The fact that Dalvin, that was the first time any of us had mentioned Sam, um, (laughs) describing the, you know, what we're looking forward to and stuff like that kind of speaks back to Uh, the point that you and I have been making throughout the, you know, the series and the episode. We talked about it a lot last week on Marvel Did What. Go check that out. Um, But yes, Steph, so in terms of the fact that we're not seeing anything with Sam and everything feels like so Bucky emphasized and Zemo emphasized and even Sharon emphasized, um, what's it going to be like with Sam and also John Walker? I feel like we're getting a John Walker heavy episode this week. and. I don't know where Sam fits into all of this.
3: Uh, he fits in the back seat.
0: <laughs> that's a good we reminder. Good reminder of yeah, she really did. That's a that's yeah, that's a good way to end end that. And uh, we'll definitely
3: talk about it. She's everything. out of
4: line, but she's right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but hold on, yeah. real quick.
4: Yeah. Um,
3: wow, them introducing Isaiah Bradley to this universe in the second episode and then kind of the way they kind of tucked it in there and then you see that it's going to be his story services it doesn't service him which sucks also doesn't really service sam because sam isn't like i mean i think what they'll end up doing is like igniting something in sam where he wants to take back the shield because of what was done to isaiah but I don't know. We haven't got that, but I bring, I bring that up because just real quick in this episode, like they briefly talk about where those samples came from and the isolation of the whatever compound made the super soldier serum. So I don't know, like this just makes me think like a lot of the racial stuff that they've done, like what is the purpose of y'all bringing this up if you're not really talking about it? Like you you brought it up, but you haven't yeah. really said anything.
0: Well, they danced around it. They're they're doing a lot and doing a little um, at the same time. And it's just one of those things where people asked me this on Twitter last week, and I just said like, I don't know how. See, it's not me saying it. They're the ones who said it. The showrunner said it. The director said it. They're talking this, we're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about a black man and the and these times. And I just, I just don't know where to kind of like put those two things together at this point. Um, And what's more interesting to me is that why are people going out of their way to defend it? Um, The few people that I've talked to regarding the subject, because again, it's not me saying it; it is them who have emphasized they've gone out of their way to tell us this. And we still you know there's three episodes left, you never know we'll see what happens, well, but I'm just calling it like I see it at this point
4: if i if I may brother i think I think what it is yeah. is that and honestly it's it's kind of a microcosm right like there are folks who believe that as long as we talk about racism, that's all we have to do. We don't have to do anything else about it right we just, we just right. talk about it and that's good yeah. enough and I think that when you had the first two episodes, I thought and i and i I, you know, and I write this and I spoke to Charles about writing something every week that touched on the racism that existed in this, because I thought they were really going to go more into it after I saw the first two episodes, but there was nothing yeah. for me to write about in episode three, because I think, yeah, I what it yeah. is, <laughs> as a, yeah, as a man of color, right. Yeah. I don't know racism exists. You took me to Baltimore outside Isaiah Bradley's house and brought the police department that killed Freddie Gray outside his house. And you thought I wasn't going to talk about that. And then you did nothing with that. Right. So I think that there's something to be said for this surface level kind of kind of talk. Like, OK, that's enough. Yeah. We a box. Right. And they have three episodes to circle back to because Dr. Nagel in particular is a deep cut for Marvel. And I tweeted that out. It's a deep cut. He's the guy that experimented on 300 soldiers from Mississippi who were kidnapped, correct. who were kidnapped. You need to talk about that. You can't just gloss over it like it's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, you know, We just went to the pumpkin patch this Saturday. It's all good. Like, no, you can't do that. And I think they have to nail the landing because they've talked about it enough that if they don't, now, now it just seems like you just you drove people in with that and then left it by the wayside once you got
0: what you needed.
3: And yeah, and that's yeah, the thing. Like, people feel it.
0: like, no, yeah, what were you saying, Steph? I'm sorry.
3: No, I'm sorry, but I was saying, like, they didn't even have to do that. We were I going know. to watch this series regardless. I didn't give a damn, but they really talked about. Um, they explored Sam through, you know, his experiences as a black man. Like that's going to happen either way, mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of whether he is being racially profiled by the police or whatever. Like, I would have still found a way to connect with him, and also when he was showing up for his ass anyway. Like, I just want to see. Action and all these other things and I'm not saying that it's not important for them to talk about this stuff but like just do it like don't set it up and do lip service because that's the way that you only feel because honestly I feel like that was brought up because it's just like okay so how do we make sure the black audiences watch okay, let's say we're going to do this thing. And it's like, okay, but like we were watching WandaVision. I actually you I, actually white lady going through her I trauma. think
1: You do? I think the ri- the writing about race in this is feels like it's for a white liberal audience.
3: Oh, yes, Jake. No, no, audience. no. no. Yeah. I agree. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, and I get yeah. that.
1: I guess, yeah. So they're saying it like, I guess the thing is like they're saying it like it's going to be for a black audience. But in the same way that anything, where anything talks about race, it can't be anything too in depth as to offend a moderate white audience yeah um yeah i think that's your
3: point no i was gonna say real quick but to your point jake that's the problem and i I felt like they were gonna do that all alone so that's why there was no reason for them to bring it up because that's what you all are gonna do and like fine that's the way you want to package it it's Mm -hmm. it's disney so whatever i get it
1: Yes, yeah, like at
4: the first point, we were going to watch it anyway, right? Like nobody would yeah. like Marvel. Marvel can put out the Donald Duck something right now, like you know Donald mm-hmm. Duck's greatest hits, a concert with just Donald Duck singing rap songs, and everybody's going to tune in. Like it's mm-hmm. just it's that kind oh, of money making. scene. it's kind of um, it's I've I, Listen, I have a I have a three year old daughter. So we're going to watch that if that's what they put on, you know. But I do think I think Steph, I think Steph has a good point in this. And but honestly, I think Steph and Jake, you both make really good points in the sense that. It is for a white liberal audience. They have to make it palatable to them, right? Because yeah. you, because you, as a man, I love white folks, but white folks don't like to hear about racism like that. I can't hit you over the head with the racism. You're not going to yeah, care yeah. about that stuff, right? And but I think if you market yeah. it as if it's to us, we already know that cops yeah. are bigots, right? We already yeah. know all these different things. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's it's definitely for it's not for us. It's not for us stuff. It's not for us who who dress like Zemo and you know dance to to, to some dope music at the club on Saturday. It's not for us. <laughs>
0: That's not nah, that's right. And um, yeah, I think that's a good way to end the coverage of this episode. Now, before we go, um, we got actually a couple of trailers, not only over the weekend, but we got one yesterday. Um, I primarily want to focus on the Loki trailer because I feel like we've seen like 55 Black Widow trailers. So we kind of know what this movie is about and, you know, it's been delayed so much and moved back so much and we know that it's coming July 9. So we kind of have an idea of that. I do want to focus on Loki, though, because Loki looks fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very, very interested to see what, um, what they do and where they take it. Um, Stephanie, seeing this trailer and seeing kind of not only the time variance authority, um, the, the, the heavy leanings to Kang showing up, uh, what, what are your thoughts on not only the series, but um, but your thoughts on the trailer and what you saw?
3: I wish that it was June because I want to watch it. Let's get back to the weird. Let's mm-hmm. get back to the fun storytelling. And by fun storytelling, I just mean engaging storytelling, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm ready for it. Um, I mean, I actually never really cared for Loki as a character until the Same. MCU, which made me go back to his uh comic book appearances. And I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. So um, I'm ready. And also we get... Not one, but two black women in this series. So I'm just like, oh, yeah. okay,
1: look at y'all. Oh so, yeah,
0: she uh, she apparently will be playing uh, Ravona, um, who is mm-hmm. a is a, a a love interest of Kang. So if we see her, then that means we're gonna be seeing Kang at some point. And obviously, Kang's connection to Ant Man uh, and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Uh, obviously, he's uh, Jonathan Majors will be playing a huge part in that movie, so I'm interested to see where they take the story there with the Time Variance Authority. Jerome, seeing this trailer, what what, what were your thoughts? How excited are you for uh, the funness that we're gonna get with Loki?
2: Um, I yeah, I, I think it's become a recurring theme for me in all the new Marvel stuff that I have not really cared too much about the plot or the connective tissue across things, but. Owen Wilson and um yep, yep, Tom yep. Hiddleston look super fun like in this. So I'm I'm down for more of that. Like if there's anything that has been a welcome surprise across Wandavision and even uh, across Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think uh no, I think it extends past me that the most enjoyable parts have been just like people being a little more out of character and being more embracing their role and more like hamming it up because I think one thing that um can happen in Marvel sometimes is that they're so true to character that you forget, you almost kind of forget, like, these are comic books. Like, these are supposed to get a little, like, out there. And people are supposed to act a little beyond, like, the ground. Like, I think it's because of the kind of um, precedent that they set with Iron Man and that they wanted to ground it and make it seem like a realistic situation that it took, like, how long to get to a Ragnarok? Like, so I think um, that we're going into those directions and having things like that. And, you know, again, pulling in like Owen Wilson. I I don't know the last time I saw him. Like, I know he's been in stuff, but just like me personally, I've seen him in stuff. And I'm excited to see him back like this. It I almost kind of wish what the Wes Anderson version of Loki would
3: have been. Oh, you know what? (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and 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 jake uh how about you what were your thoughts on this trailer
1: well first of all let me just say that the, the uh wes anderson version of loki would be that it would be like a kid two precocious children in like mm-hmm. matching sweaters they were they were looking rather you, you know, mean, like, like Wanda's children no but they have the, they have the screen yes <laughs> but they have the screen that you know they have the screen that shows the timelines instead it's mm-hmm. like string and then like they see string and like there's a little mark on one and they both look up to their there's something going on with the time stream. And then, yep. like, in a perfectly framed shot, they run across the hallway, and they go to Owen It'd Wilson. It'd be very symmetrical. They go to Owen Wilson, Everything. hand him the string, and he just goes, oh, wow, the time stream's yep. messed up. Anyway, yep. uh, <laughs> a very exciting trailer. Um, I think Gene just, Hackman plays Thanos. No. Obviously, Gene Hackman wouldn't be in it, because Gene Hackman had a terrible experience on the Royal Bombs. Let's not be ridiculous, okay? Wes well, Anderson interesting we're not catch Gene Hackman again. Um, Jason Schwartzman plays Thanos, and he's not going to I'm down play. for that. Um, oh, wow. Jason. Yeah. How about Jason Schwartzman as young Tony Stark? Oh, oh wow. I'll take line. it. I'll watch it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I think that the interplay between uh, Tom Hiddleston almost seems great. And I think it just, like, clearly they're leaning into, like... Sorry, the... one more. Pepper Potts is Gwyneth Paltrow in Royal Tendon Bombs. Yeah, of course. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, the I think, I think that seems exciting is that they're, like, kind of... Um, they're not asking you to take Loki seriously in the way that like so much of the reason I don't like him that much in the Thor movies is that he's like, you're supposed to like care very deeply about his relationships. And this, it's like, you're, you backstab people. You're not a good guy. And like, it's mm-hmm. fun to see him in an environment where people are able to say that, where they don't have to be like, brother, I still love you. You know? Um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and finally, and finally, Dalvin, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the trailer in this series?
4: Yeah, I'm honestly really excited for Loki. Um, You know, I think that one of the things that I really liked about Endgame was the branching timelines that now exist in the MCU. We're now up Mm -hmm. to about seven, right? So there's Variants. Yeah, there's seven variants, right? And Jake, to your point, what I like is that that's 2012 Loki, yeah. right? Like, that's not Loki after all his character growth where him and Thor, you know, he's willing to sacrifice himself to try to save Thor. This isn't that Loki. This exactly. is Loki who wanted to rule over Earth and all that. I, I think when we, you know, the trailer did a really good job of setting up this idea that the, there are so many things that the Avengers did wrong to get to Endgame and then everybody left endgame thinking okay they fixed it when when the reality is there's still a bunch of messed up branches cap couldn't have yeah. flipped all the branches right and yeah. there's this villain hanging over the proceedings right now that we know that you know that that his woman is going to be you know in the in 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 loki so you have this villain in kang who's hovering over this who is not like when you mess with time, and Tony has a line in Endgame where he says, "You mess with time, it tends to yeah, it right. tends to mess back." And oh, I think it was it, it means this, and, and I think Loki. I think when we talk about these shows moving some of these stories along, I don't see a scenario where this Loki survives. Like I don't see that scenario because I think in order for them to restore the timeline he's gonna have to die <laughs> like he's gonna yeah. have to die in order for them to do that and kang's the guy to kill him right like you want to set some stakes for ant-man and 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 quantum mania you have loki die right away at the hands of kang and so i'm really excited to see you know if, if we see lady loki do we see kid loki what other timelines do we go to right and i will the last thing i'll say is that through two plus shows <laughs> right through two Disney Plus shows, the, the one constant Easter egg that we've gotten is something for the X-Men. In WandaVision, we saw a Weapon X Easter egg when Darcy lingered over Hayward's files. Now in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we've seen a Wolverine Easter egg, right? I'm curious to see what the X-Men Easter egg in, in Loki is because I, I think they are doing, they're laying the groundwork for X-Men in a really interesting way. So I'm curious to see what comes out of it. I'm excited for it. Mm
0: interesting stuff for sure. Um Stephanie for for the audience uh a quick background on Kang before we go. If you get if you have anything, how would you describe
3: him? Uh Kang is a messy time bitch. Uh yes. you know, <laughs> if it's not serving him, then uh you know, he has to go fix it and just kind of like um Dalvin said about uh Bucky having his hands on a lot of stuff that has happened throughout the Marvel comics history, so is Kang. Um, this didn't happen in WandaVision, but like Kang was responsible for all of it, like Wanda and Vision getting married. Um, he orchestrated that, uh, the whole kids thing, Mephisto, all of that, all of that was Kang or actually Immortus. But anyway, Kang is, um, he's up there to me and villains because, uh, you can never get rid of them.
0: Yeah, and obviously the potential connections to the Fantastic Four down the line are going to be probably a thing. And that'll, you know, that'll kind of inform the casting there uh, with the Fantastic Four. So very curious to see uh, Loki June 11th. Um, Get ready, very excited for that. Um, Before we go, uh, Dalvin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Really appreciate you uh, bringing your knowledge to the show. Uh, Where can we follow you? Where can we see your work?
4: Yeah, man. Well, first off, thank all of you. And uh, Jerome, I jokingly tweeted, and I'm glad you finally followed me. That I've been a fan of yours since I since Nitz, uh, her terrible food takes a side, shouted you out about a couple years ago. So you are the man. Uh, and congrats on the Raptors championship, <laughs> Jake. Uh, I, I listened to, I listen to the MCU pod. <laughs> thank uh, you, Dad yeah I listen, I listen to you guys and so I think for me the cool thing is like when I was younger man I got picked on for, for being into comics and all that stuff kids in the Bronx didn't like that right like that wasn't the thing that they liked and so to be an adult now and be able to kick it with folks who like Steph you're an amazing writer like you're an amazing writer Anthony you are my brother in suffering through the Jets you know and what we've been forced to root for I'm also a Jets fan
0: don't don't hey, you. I'm also a you brother, I'm like, there a go. little go. younger but he's been a, but I he's mean I'll tell you this
1: I yeah I mean the thing is it's not not like... It's not like the years have been good to me just because I'm younger. you know? maybe They've been to... better to
4: you than they have been to Anthony and I, though. They've been sure. much better to
1: you. <laughs> Fair, but it is also like when, when they've been better to me involved, our quarterback being Mark Sanchez. So how yes. much does better really count? You know, That's
4: I mean, true. You know, That's I mean, true. Well, it seems like we're going to draft Zach Wilson, so I mean, yeah. you know, let's get ready for
1: that. MVP, and I'm, Justin I'm... Fields is going to be a Hall of Famer. Anyway,
4: and Justin I'm... Fields is going to go to the Patriots and be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's going to be the worst. Oh, yeah.
1: I had to stress I... me out at the end of this. But, I'm
4: I, I... Not. <laughs> but honestly, I'm super excited to have been on with you guys. You guys are all great i love listening to you guys um you Thank guys you are so one much. of like my three go-to podcasts um that just because i learn i learn a lot yes. from you guys you know i learn a lot from you guys in terms of just the deep cuts for marvel um you guys can follow I'm me judging on Twitter. from your
2: appearance on this i don't think you have anything to learn from us <laughs>
1: yeah what do you mean is we learn yeah, stuff yeah. from stephanie c
2: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, 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 love, that. I know. I, I'm telling
4: you, I have nothing but nothing he but does respect
2: have a Better understanding of white people dancing things to
1: this club. You're damn right. I do. You're I do. Right. Like, I'm gonna right. text.
4: I, I texted my best friend during this, and I said, "Hey, man, listen. Like, is the reason you it. look around in the club because you want to make sure that nobody's looking at you? Like, is that what it is? Because I need to know." Um, but no, you guys can follow me at tw- on Twitter at DAOsario. I also write for Turn on the Jets, uh, which is a jet-centric pod. It's the only way that I can get through rooting for this team without yeah. being a raging alcoholic and battling a substance use mm-hmm. <laughs> issue um but honestly you guys thank you so much for having me and if and i am incredibly uh humbled to be on with you guys so thank you so much
0: man you, you, you're too kind man you're mm. too kind appreciate you for coming on sir uh stephanie williams the great stephanie williams as always thank you for joining us uh, so much uh, where can we follow you where can we find your work
3: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steph underscore I underscore will go to whysteph.com to check out what I'm doing. And hopefully sometime, probably during Loki, I can like finally share this huge news that I have um, with everyone. So I'm waiting for that.
0: Excellent. Oh, very excited to hear
2: about that. Mr. Jerome Chang, where can we follow you, brother? Uh, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll and in this like very small window of the recording of this, uh, apparently just quote tweeting and replying to Steph's tweets.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> you
0: got You always got to reply to Steph. She's too much. Um, and and Jay Christie, where can we follow you, brother?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monk, and that I co-host with Andre Barier. We talk about the U.S. Network original series Monk. It is important to note we did just release our episode about Mr. Monk and the Rapper, in which Snoop Dogg plays a rapper named Murderous who's accused of murder. And I love it. It's one of my favorite episodes. So murder Um, was the case in that one? Yes, murder was the case. Um, But yeah, his name's Murder Russ because his name is Russell. So Murder Russ. Uh, And does he he do a rap version of like the summation where he says what happens, but in a rap? Yes, he does. It's awesome. Mid-2000s TV was great
0: yeah make sure you check out jake and andre and what they're doing you can follow me on twitter at anthony canton underscore three follow this podcast uh at mc university pod um check out the stuff that i do at murphy's multiverse along Mm -hmm. with dalvin uh you know i'll have another more character-centric focused uh, column in the falcon and the winter soldier i'm guessing that john walker is going to be a big part of this week so i may be focusing on him and uh, yeah, just uh, continue to rate, review, subscribe and uh, support the show. We thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm. So for Dalvin Osorio, Stephanie Williams, Jerome Chang and Jake Christie, I am Anthony Canton Third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University and we will talk to you next time.